Today on the podcast, my incredible friend Amanda is joining me to talk about her experience and journey to freeze her eggs. I'm excited to learn more about this and open up this topic that I think should be talked about more than it is. Thankfully, due to modern medicine, there are so many ways for women to improve their odds for having children now or in the future. I'm so proud of Amanda for doing this and for sharing it all with us. Amanda has been one of my closest friends for the last 25 years, since we were 15 years old. We went to high school together and moved to college together and were roommates in the dorms. Amanda and I have been through so much together. This is going to be a very cool next chapter. I couldn't love her anymore, and I'm excited for this community to meet her and be inspired by the very strong female that she is. Let's go. You're listening to the How to Be Awesome at Everything podcast, where we're obsessed with life hacks that make your life more awesome. Your host, Lindsay Dickhout, is an entrepreneur and business owner, a mom and wife, and someone who wants to do things over the top at all times. This concept started as a collection of things Lindsay has learned that she was documenting to give to her kids one day, and now it's a podcast. Join us on this journey where we talk about how to be awesome at everything we do. Here's Lindsay. Welcome back to the podcast. Please welcome my bestie and lifelong amazing friend, Amanda Cameron. Hi. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited to talk about freezing your journey of freezing your eggs and what it's really all about. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. It's something that I don't hear a lot of people talk about. And I feel like during my journey, I just was really open about it with friends and family and people at work. And it was seemed to be really refreshing. A lot of people were interested in the process and wanted to learn more. So I thought that, you know, it'd be cool to talk about it here. Yeah. And how did you learn about it? Are you reading blogs? Are you listening to podcasts? Are you talking to doctors? Is it a combination of everything? Yeah, it really was. So I have had a couple of friends that have gone through the process. So I knew a little bit about it through them. Um, and then I, of course, started to do my own research. So looked at blogs, looked up articles. Um, and then when I decided to follow through with the process, I started scheduling consultations with several doctors uh, just to learn about the different fertility centers and different doctors around and figure out who the best fit was for me, but also just to learn about the process. Cause I mean, I knew ultimately what it was, you know, I'd freeze eggs and eventually be able to have a baby, hopefully. Um, I didn't really know all the intricacies and all the details that went into it. So I learned quite a bit through the process. Um, I do want to say real quickly, though, that I am by no means an expert on the subject matter. Everything that I learned was through doing my own research or talking to doctors. So I definitely advise that anyone who's interested uh, consult with a doctor about their own personal journey, because I can't say that everything I'm saying is 100% accurate. It's really just what I've read and what I've learned across um, through my journey. Yeah, totally. No, I appreciate you saying that because that's what it's all about is hearing different people's real experiences. And I just, I've always been so curious to know what is it really, what's involved, uh, what's the cost? And we had so many questions come through on Instagram. It sounds like other people have these same 
questions and even people, people who are considering going down this route, but also people who aren't, but just to, to be informed and understand and, you know, know what other people are going through. So break it down for us. What is, what actually is egg freezing and how is that different than IVF? So egg freezing is basically the first part of IVF. So the doctor will prescribe you hormone injections and medicines and all of that that you take to stimulate egg production uh, so that your body can produce multiple eggs because the ultimate goal is to get as many eggs as possible in one retrieval. Um, so once you go through all of that, all the medication and all the different processes and the doctor feels like you're at the right point, then they collect the eggs from the ovaries uh, during a short surgical procedure and then once they have all those eggs, they freeze them and hold them in storage until you're ready to use them. So that's what egg freezing is. And then with IVF, instead of immediately storing the eggs, they fertilize them with sperm and form embryos. And so then when the patient is ready, they do an embryo transfer um, and hope that that embryo sticks and stays in the woman and be she becomes pregnant. So since I'm not ready to have a baby, I don't have a partner and I'm not to that point in time um, in my life right now, I just wanted to freeze the eggs to have that insurance that I could have a baby potentially when the time is right. So cool. So then what is the <laughs> process like leading up to it? So you're, you're talking to different doctors, you're doing your research, but then kind of walk us through how the appointments work and the medications work leading up to the actual procedure. Yeah. So there's a ton that goes into it, but ultimately um, I did this during COVID. I just froze my eggs a couple months ago. And so I started the process about two years ago um, I knew that it was super expensive and I wanted to just kind of, I guess, test the waters and see, you know, am I a good candidate without actually going to a doctor and making that commitment. So I found this online fertility test that you can order. Um, it's an at-home test that you can order through Modern Fertility. Um, I did a lot of research on them and found out that it was pretty easy and cheap and accurate. So I ordered one of those tests. Uh, it's very similar to doing a genealogy test at home, like 23andMe. You just prick your finger and send in the blood work. Um, and through that test, I found out that my hormone levels were at a decent um, level and that I was a good candidate. So that was the start of the process. And that was a couple of years ago. And then I wait, let some time go by. And about a year ago, I decided, okay, it's really time for me to, to follow through with this. Um, so that's when I decided on the fertility center that I went through. And ultimately that was after doing a couple consultations with different fertility centers. And then I decided on the one that I went through because I had two friends that have recently gone through the egg freezing process and IVF with them and have successfully gotten pregnant. One of them already has a baby, she's super adorable and um, healthy. And then another one is gonna be giving birth soon. So um, those firsthand testimonials were ultimately what made me decide on the doctor that I went through. So that's how I got to that point. And then the rest of the process is very complicated. <laughs> they give you a calendar to help you keep track of everything because there is a lot that goes on. Um, so I went into the doctors, had baseline blood work done and ultrasound, and they really just looked to make sure that your body is healthy and that you're at a good point. 
um, to do the, the pro go through the process. And so once I went through that, they basically say, okay, go home. And when you have your first period, your next period, you need to call us. So I called on that day and then they scheduled an appointment for me to come in on day three of my period. So went in and did um, an ultrasound and blood work. Uh, they count how many follicles they have, which if I understand this correctly, how many follicles you have is ultimately how many eggs you could potentially get um, because each follicle could produce one egg. In a normal cycle, you only release one egg, but the goal of this whole process is for the woman to produce as many eggs as possible in one cycle so that they can take all those eggs and freeze them. So that was the, the beginning of it. And then I went home and, or went in on day three, did the blood work base work. Um, and then the next step is on day eight of your period, you start checking for an LH surge, which LH is long word for some type of hormone. Um, and you do that using an at-home ovulation kit that you can just get at, over the counter at CVS. And so once you detect a surge, then they give you the next steps, which for me was to start applying a testosterone gel or cream to my arms. So super interesting. I never had any idea that that was part of this process. Um, but every morning for 10 days, I had to apply this gel to my arms. Um, and after the 10 days of that was over, I had to start applying a testosterone patch to my upper thigh every night and you keep it on for 24 hours. So that was the first 15 days of the process. Um, and there, I think there was also a couple of pills that I was taking during that time. Honestly, don't even know everything that I was doing. Just looked at my calendar and followed it. Sometimes I didn't even know what I was, or why I was doing what I was doing. I was just following the doctor's orders. But it seems overwhelming. Do they give you a full calendar so it's organized and easy to understand? Yes and no. They do give you a calendar, but everything changes. Every appointment you go in, things change or you when you're calling and saying, okay, I'm you know, on day three or day eight or whatever it is, um, it changes everything. So my schedule changed and I didn't get an updated calendar. So I took a ton of notes. Like there's notes all over my thing. Um, so it was, I mean, that definitely helped, but <laughs> I'm in marketing and I said, oh, these people need some help with marketing. They need some additional materials to hand out and some schedules and some uh, populated calendars that really, you know, electronic, everything was just given to me as physical photocopies. So I think that there's room for improvement in the process for sure. <laughs> I'm sure you could marketing VP whisk that all into shape pretty quick. I know. I, I actually asked them if maybe they want to hire me. <laughs> So funny. No, but I bet. And, and also I can't imagine keeping all this organized while you're dealing with, you know, the emotions of it and, and just the pressure and just kind of the stress, even if you're calm about it, it's still something you've never done before. Yeah. I felt like through the most of the process, I was pretty level-headed. I was worried about that. I thought with everything that I was putting into my body that I might just, you know, start crying for no reason or be rude to people because I have heard that that happens. But luckily for me, that did not happen. Um, my periods aren't typically too bad. I don't get really bad PMS or um, bad cramping. So I don't know if that's an indication for how you'll react to this, but um, I, I definitely took it pretty easily. 
Um, it does get very emotional and stressful though when you start doing the shots. I feel like that first part, that first 15 days of just having to put on a patch or put on cream isn't too bad. Um, but once you start doing the shots, it's it's very, very stressful and emotional. Next up is there's about 12 days of shots. Um, and this is where it starts to get really stressful because I thought there was no way and you know what, that I would be able to give myself shots. I hate needles with a passion but it really becomes that fight or flight where I just realized I had to put that needle into my stomach to give myself the medication if I want to finish this process and potentially have kids. So um, I was lucky enough that I had two friends who'd been through the process and were there with me on the first night. Um, it really made a big difference for me because I was stressed. I knew that I had to get those shots into my stomach at a certain time. You're supposed to be, do it between 7 and 9 p.m., but you're supposed to pick a time and stick to that time. So um, I chose around 7.30. So I had my friends there, and they really helped me figure it out and get those shots in. And I was surprised. I really had no problem with it. I just stuck the needle in, injected the medicine, and off I went. Um, I did use an ice pack to numb my stomach every um, night before the shots. They said that wasn't necessary, but that was one thing that one of my friends recommended. And so I did that. And I don't know if I needed it or not, but I felt like it was just that like comfort of, okay, it's a little bit less painful. Um, so I did that every night. And yeah, so the first night got, I had two shots I had to do that night. They were there to help me figure out the process. One of them's pretty straightforward. It's just a cartridge and you just inject it and you're good to go. But the other one is super complicated. You have to measure a certain amount of liquid and put it into this powder and then you have to mix it. Um, and it's with needles and I'm just not used to that type of thing. So I had the, the first one didn't look like it mixed right. I was concerned about it. And then the second one, I lost a little bit of the liquid and that stuff is like liquid gold because it's so expensive. So it was super stressful, but I was super thankful to have them there to help me through the process. I bet. And are they small needles? Are they big needles? What is that like? Uh, they're, let's see, probably two inches long or so, inch and a half, but they're super thin. So it was not painful at all. Um, it, it really was an easy, I mean, you know, I've seen people do uh, diabetes shots and that just freaks me out. But I think that this is just a lot easier. I don't know. But again, I think it goes back to that. I just knew that this is something I had to do and it was more mental for me at that point in time. Yeah. How so about side effects during, during all the phases, during the testosterone or during the injections? Did you have any side effects? I really didn't. I mean, there was a few things I noticed, like I broke out a little bit or my stomach hurt a little bit, but nothing drastic. You know, I mean, I feel like I have those types of things happen all the time that who knows if it was even from this process or if it was in some other type of factor, but um, I felt pretty normal through the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. before we get into what the actual procedure is like, what made you decide to go this route at this stage of life? And what made you kind of make this final decision? You know, it, I've always wanted to be a mom. I knew that that was something that was on my heart and that I would make happen in some way. 
Um, and I just always thought it was going to happen naturally and that I was going to find Mr. Right and have a baby at, you know, 25 or whatever it was that I thought back in the day. Um, and as the years have gone by and that hasn't happened, I realized that I needed to take this into my own hands and preserve those eggs so I could potentially have my own kids. Um, I'm still hoping that I can do it naturally and not have to even use the eggs, but at least they're there. Uh, if I need them. Uh, but the, the thing that really has held me back the last couple of years is the cost. It's super, super expensive. And okay. I couldn't afford it. So that was one reason that I wish I would have done this five years ago or so. I probably would have gotten more eggs and it would have been a lot cheaper, but I couldn't afford it then. So I finally was at that point in life where I realized, okay, I have to do this. Otherwise there's a chance that I won't have my own kids and I could also afford it. So it just kind of all worked out. So many questions. Why is there a range? First of all, what is the cost? Why is there a range? How does that work? So the cost through this doctor, and it seemed to be a pretty consistent through the other doctors that I talked to as well, um, was fifteen dollars to $20,000. And the range is really based on how much medicine you need. That is a huge, huge cost in all of this. Um, if I remember correctly, I think everything through my doctor was around nine to 10000 And then my medicine was around 8000 or so. Um, and I'm a little bit older. I think they actually called me like a geriatric patient or something like that. Oh God, no way. So um, I required more medicine than someone that's say 30. So theirs would have been cheaper. But I think that there's other factors as well. Um, I don't think it's all based on age, but that is definitely one of the big ones. Um, you know, if your body's not taking the medicine and they need to give you more, that might have nothing to do with your age. That might just be, I don't know, some other natural thing going on. So, but yeah, the medicine is the biggest range and they don't, they won't want to tell you that it could be on the lower end because they want you to prepare for the worst. Um, so I was basically just had in my head, it was going to be 20,000 and it actually ended up being very close to that. Um, I, it would have been a little bit cheaper if I didn't have to go through the process in the beginning twice because of COVID. But um, yeah, I got I got pretty close to the twenty thousand dollar mark. Okay, so tell us about that real quick. The whole um, I know because I know you about <laughs> started the process and then you had to restart. Tell us that. I did. So I decided early on that I did not want to get the vaccine until I was done with the egg retrieval process. Um, you know, when I was starting this process, people were just starting to get the vaccine and there's just not enough research in my opinion out there on how the vaccine could potentially affect egg retrieval. Um, I think that they think everything is fine and that the eggs would be healthy and you get the same amount of eggs, but I think that again, it's just too early to know. So I decided early on, I didn't want to get the vaccine. Um, and I got through the beginning of the process, had gone to the initial appointments and the initial blood work and ultrasounds and um, had gone in for day three of my period and all that stuff and had gotten to the point where I was checking for the surge, the LH surge um, using the P-sticks. And I called them to tell them that I had gotten to that point and they were giving me the next steps. And then I think it was the next day I found out that I had COVID. I didn't have any symptoms, so I didn't, I didn't feel bad. I had no clue. 
Um, but someone close to me had tested positive. And so I went and got a test and found out I had it too. So I had to start all over. Um, the doctor recommended I waited a month after having been cleared from COVID just because there isn't enough research on what effects it could have post having COVID. Um, but I decided to wait two months. I had gone this far that I just said, let's, let's give it a little bit extra time. And it's such a big investment. You want to do it, yeah, it right. Yeah. And I, I had thought about waiting longer, but the doctor really recommended that I move forward. And then I also found out later that he was going to be moving um, to another country. So if I didn't move forward, I would have to change doctors. And I really, really liked my doctor. He's one of the best out there. And I have two friends that have used him and had successful um, IVF. So I decided that I wanted to stick with it. So I started the process again and jumped back on the bandwagon and yeah, got through everything. But it definitely put me back a little bit um, time-wise and then also financially just because I had to repeat that, pro- repeat that process. Luckily, it wasn't too much. I think it was maybe about $1,000. But again, I mean, it's already so expensive that an extra $1,000 is a lot. Yeah. You mentioned that it's so interesting to me because you mentioned to go through all this and then sort of in the back of your mind, you hope you never even need to use them. Have you thought like down the line? Okay. So you meet your perfect partner. Have you thought about how long you would try to have a baby first before, before going to the eggs? Like what, I mean, it's so great to have options. I wonder when you're in that position, say, say you're 42 and you're like, okay, we're ready to have a baby. How long would you try naturally before you go to the eggs? I don't think I would try very long. I think maybe six months. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think I would just, just because I have them, I think I would give it a shot. And if it's not happening organically, I would just move forward pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the interesting thing there too, that I was not prepared for is I was signing all the paperwork and I got to this point where I had to decide what to do with my eggs in several different circumstances. So one of them was if I were to die, another one of them was if I were to exceed my normal reproductive life, which they say is age 50. So I had to sign, what do I want to do with them? So it was, I was like, whoa, wait, I have to decide this right now. And they're like, well, you can take the paperwork home with you if you want, but we need it back in like two days. So, um, I mean, it, it didn't take me too long. The options were to either donate to another couple to thaw and discard or to donate for research. So um, if you want to donate them to someone, you had to write in the name. There's nobody that I want to donate them to at this point in time. Um, But I did ask if later I decide if, you know, I know somebody who's needing eggs and I don't need them any longer. Can I donate them to them? them? And they said, absolutely. Um, So for the purpose of the paperwork, I selected donate for research. I thought weird. I thought it was weird to thaw and discard them. Um, I've gone through the process, so why not give them to research? So that's the route I chose, mm-hmm. and I definitely didn't want to give them to a random person. Yeah, God, I have kids out there that I don't know about. Yeah, I mean, all these things you don't think about. You just think I want to. I want to make sure I can have a baby, and then all these things that I would have never thought of that. 
Right. Yeah, there's there's quite a few interesting things that I stumbled upon in the paperwork. So I definitely took the time to read through that. Yes. Well, the good thing you're very thorough. <laughs> okay, so tell us about the process. What is the actual process like? So you go through all this prep, you wake up the morning of, what is that like? So surgery day, um, that it was a variable too. They originally thought my surgery was going to be on a Tuesday and then on the Friday before they said, ah, nope, actually you're ready now. Let's do it on Monday. So um, I, uh, let me back up. One thing that I'd, I'd wanted to add too is just because of all of these variables, uh, that was one reason that I just thought it was best for me just to be open with everybody in my life about what I was going through. So I told my friends, my family, my coworkers, my boss, um, that was an interesting conversation, but I just felt that it was better to be transparent and I didn't think it was something I needed to hide. I don't know why pe more people don't talk about it, um, especially in this day and age. So yeah, so I was just open and it actually ended up being the best thing ever because I had to leave work so many times to go to different doctor's appointments that they would either question like, where is she going? Is she going to an interview? Like, what is going on? Um, is something really seriously wrong with this girl? And then also like that surgery date, you know, I had meetings scheduled on Monday because I thought I was going to be there in the office and not be gone till Tuesday. So um, it was it was really important for me just to tell my boss up front what was going on. And it made it easy because then on that Friday, I said, guess what? Never mind, my surgery's not on Tuesday, it's on Monday. And he had no problem with it, obviously. But um, it just made it much easier than having to like kind of skirt around it. Yeah, and I think that people have kept it on the hush, but I love that you're talking about it because there's absolutely no reason. And that's how you learn and that's how you grow and that's how people can support you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was nice to have my friends in the loop and, you know, they just were checking in on me and like those two friends that came over to help, you know, it was nice to have that actual support. Got ice cream on the first night. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So tell, tell us, tell us about the whole first day. So the surgery day. So I think my appointment was at 11 and of course they had gone over everything before, but I had so much going through my head. Um, so I had to do two last shots the, the day before. So I was thinking about that. I really wasn't thinking about all the instructions they gave me. So I, my mom came down. She lives um, not too far away, about an hour away. So she uh, came to take me to the appointment, which was super nice, but got there and got checked in and realized you're supposed to bring socks. I forgot socks. Um, they told me not to eat or drink anything before, but I don't know if this is naive of me, but I thought, well, you can still have water. Like they just mean you can't have, you know, anything other than clear liquids. Well, apparently that wasn't the case. So they almost weren't able to do my surgery because they said that I can have complications because I had drank water. Um, but when I told them how much, it was just a couple sips and they ultimately said I could move forward. Um, they actually gave me two options. They said, you can move forward or uh, three, you can move forward, you can reschedule or you can do the surgery without being put out. And I was like, no way, no how, let's do this. <laughs> so um, I, I still move forward with the surgery. And yeah, let's see here. So we were, my mom and I were in a, a room and they started my IV and then they just walked me into the surgery room. 
um, they, because of COVID, my mom had to leave at that point. So she had to go out to her car and wait. And they said it was going to be 15 to 20 minutes. So she's like, okay, I'll just be outside waiting for your call. Um, so I walk into the, the surgery room and I remember sitting down on the table and they put your legs in these stirrups and get you all ready. And they're like, okay, you know, you're probably going to hear us talking for a little bit. That's normal. It's not that the medicine's not working and, you know, a few things. And I was instantly out. And so then I woke up in the recovery room and uh, my mom came in shortly after. And at that point in time, I found out that my surgery actually lasted an hour. It was way longer than the estimated 15 to 20 minutes. So I can only imagine what my mom was going through outside of the car waiting. Um, But I guess the doctor said he just wanted to get more eggs and he kept thinking there was more in there. And he said he kept flushing me follicles i'm not exactly sure didn't really ask questions but he said he just kept trying um and so uh yeah i had a much longer surgery than expected but oh sorry how many eggs did you end up getting and how many did you hope to get so i in the early appointments i had about 20 follicles so they had said that that would be about the max amount of eggs that I could get, but I probably wouldn't get, you know, near that, that that's you know, people normally don't get the full amount. Um, but as the appointments went on, I thought I was going to get closer to like eight to 10. Um, but I only got six. So actually they give you right out of the surgery, they give you the quality of the eggs and how many they got. And so they said that they had received four mature eggs and two intermediate. Um, and then the embryologist called me the next day and said that the two immediate had matured in the lab. So I actually got six full eggs or six high quality eggs. Um, so not quite as many as I had hoped for, but plenty to still make a baby. So I'm still happy. Yeah. I mean, yes. Cause when I talked to you, it sounded like that was, a, you know, a kind of a, a, a disappointing moment, but six, six great quality eggs seems great. It is still good. Yes. I mean, I'm very thankful. I know that there's people that get a lot less than that, um, but then there's also people that get a lot more. So of course I was hoping for as many as possible, um, but it's still, it is a good number, especially for my age. So I am very thankful for what I did get. Uh, It was just a little bit disappointing because I had in my head, I was going to get more, but it's interesting. Okay. So you finish up the procedure uh, your mom drives you home. Then what is the process like after that? Is it painful? What's the rest of the day like? What's the recovery like? What's all that like? So they gave me some pain medicine and something else. I don't even remember now. There was two prescriptions. Um, so this was something that I definitely was not prepared for is that they said, you need someone to drive you home. Well, yes. So I had my mom. Great. Um, and she drove me home, but they forgot to tell us that you also or forgot to tell me in advance that you also have to pick up prescriptions. So luckily, um, you know, I'm coming home from surgery. I don't want to go to CVS. I just wanted to get home and get in bed. So my mom dropped me off um, and then she went to pick up the prescriptions well, there was a mistake in the prescriptions and so they weren't ready. So she had to come home and wait another hour and then go back and then they still weren't ready. So um, that's something I wish I would have known. Luckily I had my mom, but I know people that, 
use Uber drivers or have a friend and think they need to factor in that they somehow have to get that prescription. Because I just thought, you know, what if I had taken an Uber home? Like, how would I have gotten a prescription? I'm sure I would have called a friend, but, um, you know, something that I was not prepared for. And why don't they give you that stuff ahead of time? Like, they know exactly what you're going to need. They've done this a gazillion times. Like, why aren't you sent home with it a week prior? Yeah, that is a really good point. I don't know. But that is one thing that when I become marketing director for them, I will put into place. Give me all my meds, send me home, and let me go. Okay, so your mom gets you all your meds, you get home. Are you feeling good? Are you feeling drowsy? Are you feeling wiped? Like, I was not feeling good. I was in a lot of pain. I definitely took those pain meds as soon as I could. Um, the other thing that I wish they would have told me before is that I was my stomach was just in so much pain and they had recommended that I use a heating pad. Well, I don't have a heating pad. I don't have, don't have bad periods. I've never had to have that. So that was another thing that I had to send my mom out for. Um, and that became instrumental. I used that every day for almost two weeks. Um, so I was in a lot of pain. I just went home and slept. Um, and they had said, oh, yeah, you'll, you should probably be able to go back to work the next day. So I was kind of thinking that that might happen. But luckily, I took the day off. But I woke up that next morning. And I was in so much pain. Um, I don't know if it's because he, my doctor tried so many times and it was just a longer procedure than other people. Um, but I think that that's one thing that you definitely have to prepare for is that you don't know how your body's going to react. So don't plan on going back to work the next day. Um, I, I ended up going back to work the following day, but for a good 10 days, every step I took like was just so painful. It was just like stabs in my side. Um, I had some really weird complications. Um, it, I had this like very bad side pain and it was also really high and on my back. It was very odd because it was nowhere near my ovaries. Um, and I ended up going back in after about 10 days because I was still in just a ton of pain. And I, you know, had heard from other friends and doing research online that this was not normal. And they ended up finding that there was a pocket of fluid um, which just, I guess, hadn't dissolved or hadn't popped. I don't know what the right terminology is. Um, so luckily within a couple of days it did. And that really helped me, helped me feel a lot better. So it was, I think close to 12 days post-surgery when I really started to feel normal. Um, and that was right around the time when my period started too. So I think that that had a lot to do with it. Like once your body gets back into its normal cycle is when you really start to feel better. But they said that that could happen anywhere from a week to two weeks post-surgery. Interesting. And 12 days is a long time. Yeah, it is. Did they prepare you for that? Is that I was at least going to be able to like start going for walks and like getting a little bit of exercise, but no, I, when I was sitting, I was fine. So I could sit and work and I was great. But anytime I had to like get up in my office and go down to the printer, or, you know, go to the bathroom or something, it was people could notice me just walking down the hall and much pain. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a longer recovery than I had expected. Um, I, one thing I guess I forgot to talk about earlier is also leading up to the surgery, you're not supposed to really exercise. So it was really a full month until I could exercise from the time I really stopped exercising. Um, and I exercise 
almost every day. So that was a really hard thing for me. Um, I, I mean, they said you can do very light exercise, but they really don't recommend doing anything too intense. So I stopped all of that about, uh, let's see here at the beginning of the process, about two weeks before the surgery. Yeah. And like you say, you're going through all this process, you're going through all this investment and all this, all this, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to bend the rules. Right. And you're like a very good, like, tell me the rules. I will do exactly as I'm supposed to do. you like, I'm sure, I'm sure that made it tough. Cause that's like your mental release too. Like you're just active and fit. It, it's hard to, your whole life's turned upside down basically for a month. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I would have pushed the envelope a little bit and done some exercise. Um, but there was a few things that they had said that really stopped me. One of them was said that it could reduce fertility. And so I was like, okay, I don't want to mess with the process at all. And then the other thing they said, even doing like um, weights, like arm weights and things that you could potentially twist your ovaries. And so uh, that was, and I think that was actually post-surgery. I don't think that that was, but I was like, okay, no way. I do not want to have to deal with that. That sounds awful. So that's one reason I really just didn't do anything until my body felt like it was back to normal. What part would you say was the most emotional? Was it going through the actual pain of it or were there emotions involved just kind of knowing what, what your body was going through and the bigger cause of why you're doing this? Like what part was the most emotional, would you say, kind of from start to finish? Yeah, you know, I think it was towards the end. It was, I don't, I guess I didn't really think about it too much through the whole process. But those last couple of days of shots, I think it really got to me like, oh, wow, I'm doing this. This is something that I've wanted to do for so long. And it was weird to think about that everything I'm doing right now could lead to a child. Um, and I think just really like thinking through the whole process is where it really started to get me. And that was like the last couple of days. And then for sure going in for surgery. Um, you know, at that point, I mean, not only just being put out, but all, you know, just the the whole process of that something could go wrong. That, of course, went through my head. Um, but then also that, like, this is the end. This is the time where all of my eggs are coming out or not all of my eggs, but the eggs from, you know, this cycle. Um, and that this is the the next step that I need to create a baby. So it was, it was pretty emotional. I think that morning, like waking up and realizing that like the process that I was going through that day. Yeah. And does it feel empowering knowing that you've, you know, kind of taken control over a situation that it's just, it's just a hard, tricky thing in life. It's one of those things you just can't control. Does now kind of being on the other side of it, do you feel empowered? Do you feel excited? Do you, do you feel different about the whole situation? Yes, absolutely. I definitely feel empowered and I feel a big sense of relief. I think I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to try to find Mr. Right because I realized that my clock was ticking. And so I think that it just feels good to have those eggs frozen and know that I have that to fall back on. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
you are, you are such a great auntie and you've had, you've, you've learned, you've learned by seeing the, you know, seeing what we've done and the kids just love you so much. You're just so natural, not just maternal, but you're just so naturally loving and also willing to like, just play with kids in a genuine and authentic way. I just, I can't wait to see you in that role just because you, you were meant to, you know, and 40 is so young. I know geriatric, whatever, (laughs) but I don't know. In my opinion, you've built this incredible career. Everyone has different ages and stages of things. You know, I just think, yeah, it's so true. And I think that it's hard to not put those pressures on yourself, especially when you see everyone around you having kids and having their second and their third. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm way behind. But um, yeah, I mean, I've been through a lot of cool experiences that I wouldn't have had if I had had kids. So I think that there's, you know, pluses and minuses to it all. So I'm just super grateful to have had the opportunity to go through this process and have those eggs frozen um, and then see what the next steps hold for me. I don't know. It's, it's super cool. Uh, I'm really excited to see what happens. Yes. It's just, it's just so exciting that you have these six little embryos <laughs> and then the, and then like you say like the last thing we need especially you know in this in this time and just in general as women is more pressure so now really? now the pressure yeah. often and, and you know when it when it's the right time and the right person and the right circumstance then it'll all then it'll all fall into place without that you know paralyzing pressure in a way Yeah, absolutely. I think, like I had said, it's just a sense of relief, but I don't know what the future holds. I hope that I can still have my own kids on my own. Um, If not, I have these eggs to either try to have them implanted in myself or in somebody else to carry them. But I also don't know if I'll meet somebody that has their own kids or I'll end up wanting to adopt or, you know, there's just so many options. But I think that's the, you know, the whole thing is just to have those options. I wish it was cheaper um, because (laughs) I would have done it a long time ago, but also just, you know, as a what if, it's an expensive what if to have those, those eggs. But um, I was, you know, grateful that I was in that point of of time in my life where I could afford it and to do it just as a what if. Yes. Because I can see how, you know, it just wouldn't be an option for most people. Right. There are some employers that are starting to cover it, which I think is cool. Um, Mine, unfortunately, does not. But I hope that that becomes more prominent and that more and more employers start to think about that. Um, I did read an article recently, though, that that the negative to that is that then women do just focus on their career and focus on having that ache um, insurance or whatever they're calling it as backup. And then there's other things that could go wrong. So, um, but I, I do think that it would be cool if employers started to cover it more frequently. But I think you just, just in your way, um, talking about it and being open and, you know, having that conversation, of course, there's going to be, you know, hurdles and, and different things to navigate with any change like that. But yeah, I think it's, you know, to, to take care of your employees, just like you would with other things, with the retirement plans and things like that, you know, why wouldn't it, why wouldn't it be someone like for someone like you who gives your all to everything you do, but you're, you know, you're there early, you stay late, you give everything you have to your job. 
it makes sense that they're, you know, hopefully at some stage that's more accessible to, to people. Yeah, I really hope so. Or that there's improvements in technology that make it cheaper or, you know, cheaper to produce some of the drugs since it's a huge cost. Um, It's pretty cool to think though, like what could the future hold for egg retrieval? Like, I think that the technology is going to change a ton. Um, You know, my doctor had joked around that in 20 years, all he's going to have to do is take a swab of the inside of a woman's mouth or something to get some cells, be able to create eggs. And um, I think it'll be super cool to see what the advances are in the next 10, 20 years. Right. Yeah. But it's good that you, you did it now and you didn't wait and you had a great outcome and a great success. And I like when you first started explaining the process to me, I was like, wait a minute. So you're going to plan, you're going to spend this huge amount of money and hope that you never need it. And you're like, yes, (laughs) that's exactly the plan. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't make sense, but (laughs) but it's brilliant at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I think that if I don't use them, hopefully there's someone else that will need them. Yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough. This was so inspiring and informative. And I just think it's so cool that you, that you did this. And one way or another, you are going to have the most incredible babies because you are incredible. And I just love you so much. I'm so grateful for you for doing this. Thank you. Yeah. I can't wait to have my own kids. You're, you're three kids. They're going to have to become the babysitters. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Be happy to. Awesome. Well, well thanks. thanks for having me. Yes. Well, I, I would love it if you would come on again at the next phase and <laughs> fill us in because I know people will be dying to hear and, you know, kind of follow the journey as it evolves. Yes, I'd be happy to. Okay. Thank you. And thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the How to Be Awesome at Everything podcast. For more info about today's episode and all past episodes, head over to howtobeawesomeateverything.com where we break it all down. Tell us what you thought of today's topic on Lindsay's Instagram at Lindsay's Cloud. Until next time, go out and be awesome because that's exactly what you are.